Real Talk with Grace Redmond features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redmond. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Real Talk, where I get to have real life, raw conversations with incredible people from my circles and communities who have overcome challenges and created amazing. Today, I have a very special guest with us, Gabby Villafon. Gabby is of Bolivian and Salvadorian descent and was born and raised in San Mateo, California. Her family moved to Bolivia during her junior year of high school, and she graduated from a bilingual school. When she returned to the States, she relocated to Northern Virginia and attended community college. After two years, she transferred to the University of Virginia, where she graduated with a bachelor's in foreign affairs and minor in history. Following graduation, she worked in Washington, D.C. as a litigation paralegal for four years. She is now a first-year law student at Drexel University at the Thomas R. Klein School of Law. Gabby! Yes, hello. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you with us today. I'm so excited. I'm so honored. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. I'm the one that's honored to have you here. And like we just talked about, it's like it's come full circle and how amazing life is that I get to have this conversation with you today, sweetheart. Yeah, no, it definitely is. So we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot. It's been, what, a, what an adventure that you've been on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> so, so I want to kind of tell me a little bit about, um, you know, in your junior year, you and your family moved to Bolivia. And tell me a little bit about how that went. Again, being in your junior year, kind of you have your friends and, you know, here you go on this new and ex exciting adventure. Tell me a little bit how you navigated that. Yeah, well, first, I think I'm glad I can look back and say that it was, that it was exciting because at the time, 16 year old me did not think it was an exciting move at all. Um, I had, like you mentioned, I grew up in San Mateo, um, California. I went to school in Burlingame. Um, and so really just, that was my whole life up until I was 16. That's all sort of like I knew I'd like been to El Salvador and Bolivia a couple of times growing up, but really just, that was only for a couple of weeks, sometimes a month. But, um, yeah, so I was getting, it was this, I think spring of my sophomore year when my parents started, you know, sort of toying with the idea of, of telling me, oh, we're going to move, we're going to move. I didn't really pay attention to it until I think the summertime when it was like, yeah, our, our, we're moving August 10th. And it was just what? like, yeah, yeah. What, like, why, who, why can I stay? I think one of my friends, like her, their family's like offered to like, let me stay with them. Um, it was, it was a lot, it was very sudden. Um, but I think looking back, I knew my parents had always wanted to get out of the Bay area. Um, and I'm really glad that they did. Um, Bolivia ended up being probably single-handed, like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, made some lifelong friends there. Um, got to spend a lot of time with, you know, family members that I had never really met before. Um, and 
And I think the most important thing though, was that it really taught me and, um, or how to appreciate my culture and mm -hmm. how to, you know, really just love being Latina. Yes. So, yeah. I love that story. And one thing for me is like, I have never been able to go back and visit um, the homeland of my parents, which is Palestine. And then I when growing up, even with your mom, because I went to high school with her when, you know, she would talk about home. It's like, I always like, I wonder what that would feel like. So the fact that you have the opportunity to go back to your roots and have that experience and also see a completely different um culture than what we have here in the Bay Area, there, there's there's so many rich experiences and lessons I feel that come through that. And like you said, you know, back then, it's like you as a 16 year old girl, you're like, okay, what are you doing? But how amazing that it helped enrich your life so much. And the most important piece was, it sounds like spending time with family, connecting yeah. with family. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, I think anyone that's like lived outside the U.S. can sort of agree to this, that um, you sort of enjoy your life a little bit more when you're not here in the sense that I think our society, there's a lot of just like constantly going, going, going and always like you're always busy and you're always having to do it's like what's next. And over there, it's like you really do enjoy your time with your family. Like lunchtime is like this entire city is shut down. Like you go home and, and you have like, you know, three course like lunch meal with your family then you take a little nap, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, and then it was always like, yeah. And like in the afternoons, it was always like tea time. Like with, it was like my mom and like two of my aunts, like they would always, because we all lived so close together. Like we would all just get together. Like all the kids would, you know, play, playing soccer outside. It, yeah. So, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's funny, although I've never been, you know, back to, to Ramallah, they say the same thing. They're like, mm -hmm. yes, you guys are in the United States and you have your freedom. However, you guys are not living. You're always running and going. And we have the opportunity. We sit, we have lunch together, we visit together. So you're right. I think here, um, it's, you know, well, being in the Bay Area, I'm going to relate it to this. We are, we're always going so fast that we don't, we don't make the effort to stop and connect. And I really feel that's the biggest, that's the most important thing in our life is to connect with ourselves and with each other. Absolutely. So what an amazing contrast to have. And with that being said, um, now that you're in you know, law school and you have such a busy life, how have you incorporated that, that piece of connection into your life? Because it's so busy. Yeah. Um, I take a deep breath as I <laughs> about to respond to that because I think I, to be completely honest, I think I'm still trying to figure it out or like remind myself of those things. It's really hard. Like I was mentioning earlier, it's, um, law school is something I think like no other, I don't think there's a way you can really explain it. Um, but I'll try my best. Um, it's just a constant, like it, it just doesn't feel like it's, it never ends essentially. And I keep getting the the advice that remember it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon. Yes. And so just trying to remember that I think first, and then um, in terms of keeping those connections, um, something that was important for me was to to make sure that I didn't, you know, just completely go MIA and for friends and family. And so I think just making that conscious effort of you know calling you know family members like on my drive home from school, no matter how stressed I am, and like you know. But just remembering that part, also keeping in contact with, with friends that are not in law school, just, you know, remembering to call them or text them back because 
it's it, it you can just get consumed so much with law school that it could become unhealthy mm-hmm. so I think just knowing that going in is something that um you know helps remind me now of the bigger picture so if I heard you correctly just like making a conscious effort even if you're tired or it was a long day just to make that phone call and to connect and so once you make that phone call and connect what is that how do you feel I think at first it's to be completely honest, it, it, it's kind of tough to be present in conversation sometimes just because I'm like, okay, well, what else am I, do I have to do? Like right after I get off this phone call. Um, but like I said, I think just remind, just kind of thinking that law school isn't everything. It's not like there's a whole other world going on outside. And, and part of that world is my friends and family that are not in law school. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, talking about anything but law school sometimes with them um, does help just relieve any sort of, you know, anxiety induced. <laughs> For sure. So basically, you know, just taking your mind off of it and yeah. off of law school and talking, yeah. distracting yourself to something, you know, um, something a little different. And what you talked about being present, I can relate to that. It's it's not, it's, it's, we always, they talk about, you know, being present, being in the now. That's not so easy to do. I mean, that's something that takes pr- practice and that the monkey mind is real. You know, that monkey mind, um, and it just takes effort and pra- like, I don't know if I'll ever master it, you know, because I have that monkey mind. But I like what you said is just being, you know, be- taking a making a conscious effort when I make that phone call to be present yeah. and, and connect, which I, I think that helps me a lot when I'm having, you know, a bad day, the minute that I can connect with someone, um, it makes me feel so much, so much better. Yeah. So now growing up, did you always want to be a lawyer? Did you think about, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. What did no, you want to grow up? Uh, so many different things. I think at one point I, I grew up playing soccer. And so at yeah. one point I was You're like, I'm going to be a soccer player. <laughs> um, that didn't work, but we're rooting for my sister. Yes, <laughs> amazing soccer. The whole, your whole family is great at soccer. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then I think at one point when I think when I was in Bolivia, actually, I thought about like majoring in business and having like my own like business. I don't know what type of business I wanted, you know, to run. Um, I think my dad had always, um, said, you know, like, well, why don't, why don't you like think about like law school? Like f- for like when I was, since I was growing up, but I was, I was like, no, no, I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I just didn't think about it. Um, so in short, no, I did not know I was always going to be, <laughs> or wanted to be an attorney. What did you want to be other than a soccer player? Um, a teacher. So just like the typical, like, I, I, I honestly don't think I really knew even going into college, I didn't really understand like what I wanted to do. Um, I think I had the idea of like wanting to major in business just because to me, it sounded so broad, like you can do a lot of things with that. Um, but it wasn't really until, um, I think I was in community college. I took an, uh, an English course and we read some book and it was like, it had to do with like ethics and, and the law. And, and I think that that was like my first, like, like kind of like, you know, light, like, Oh, like this is something different. I'm a little bit more interested in like learning about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other experiences that had happened, um, just sort of snowballed into this. <laughs> I love that because that's how it happens. I, I, I really believe it's, it's like, I have my, you know, my sons and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. And I said, you know what, son, that's okay. 
because discovery is so important. And who who really does know what they want to do for the rest of their life? And I love how you just use the example, like there was a light bulb, you know, when you're in that English class and the rest of it snowballed. Yeah. And, and I just want to put it out there. Like, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. Exploration is important. And sometimes you're going to have, um, you know, like you have the, the litigation, you know, you're a litigation paralegal before you went to law. So you had that yeah. career. So tell me, what was your motivation to go to law school? So I think it started with that class. Um, and then I had sort of a personal experience where um, I needed like attorneys. And so when I was in the courtroom with them, there were two things that like really, I think, stuck out to me. The first was the lack of representation of just attorneys in the courtroom. Um, I know everyone says like, you know, courtrooms aren't like what the movies are, what the TVs like are like, and they're really not <laughs> like there's sometimes like there aren't any attorneys in the courtroom except for like one or two. Um, and so that was, I think, a really eye-opening experience in itself, um, just because you would see people trying to argue, you know, their, whatever they, they were defending or bringing, you know, to, to court and the judges just weren't engaging because they couldn't, like there was no like legal arguments being, you know, made. And so when I, you know, graciously had these attorneys and they were able to, you know, tell my story to a judge and the way they were able to tell it, I think that was super um, powerful for me because I think storytelling in itself is so powerful, but then yeah. storytelling in the legal field, especially is, is just such an incredible tool mm -hmm. um, that really, I think, inspired me to, to want to, to, to do that. I agree. I think storytelling is incredible and it's very powerful. And, and now in that moment, so if I heard, so when you were in, in that courtroom, you had your attorneys, but it seemed like other people didn't. Yeah. And yeah. so that sparked something in you. Like they didn't have someone yeah. there to tell their story. Exactly. And, and, and I will also like add in that, um, my attorneys, I, I had a very, uh, from the university of Virginia, I was very grateful because they were able to provide the attorneys for me because I couldn't, I could, I was not going to be able to afford, you know, the attorneys. And then, so that's another aspect of it too, where it really opened up my mind to how expensive this is. And so it, I started toying with the idea of like, how, how can we get people the legal resources that they need mm -hmm. to, you know, defend themselves um, in front of a judge? So tell me now, what's your why? Oof. <laughs> um, so my why, I think it's rooted a lot in my family and, and, you know, both sides immigrated here for, for different reasons. Um, but I think that seeing every, like all my lived experiences combined, I think would be my why and um, trying to just utilize my knowledge and trying to get as many people um, access to legal resources and representation as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's so needed. Yes. It is needed. Tell me who has been the biggest influence in your life. My mom. <laughs> um, 
I'm not going to be the one to start crying. Um, no, my mom, um, and also like, I think a culmination of the woman in my family, um, I can definitively say on both sides of my family that, you know, the matriarchy for me is, is everything. Mm. Um, but my mom has been, I think just such a pivotal influence in, in everything that I do. Um, just seeing her resilience in quite literally everything, mm -hmm. um, has just been, I, I couldn't have asked for a better, I think, person to, to lead me in, into this world. Yeah. I mean, your mom is definitely incredible. One of the strongest, most resilient um, women that I have known in my lifetime. And uh, I can't wait to, you know, also be able to, to celebrate, celebrate her. So yeah. it's not a surprise to me that she is one of your greatest influences. Yeah. So life can be stressful and you're, you know, even before, um, being in law school, you're in college and, and working. So can you share with us what were some ways that helped you stay grounded? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. Life, school, work. What helped yeah. keep you grounded? Um, friendships. But I think for me, a lot of it was the quality of the friendships that I, that I created and have made. Um, I think I like as I've mentioned, I think it's pretty clear that I, I love, you know, storytelling and hearing other people's stories and how they got to where they are um, and just hearing different perspectives. And I think that the friends that I've made have really had those types of values where it's just, you can have these deep conversations with them, but you can also go out and have fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that has really kept me grounded just because I, I never felt alone. Um, you can feel, I think you can, or lonely, I should say, because you can feel like you're alone, I think, in a lot of different, you know, times in your life. But if you know you have those those strong connections with people, um, it's just, I think it's everything. Definitely. And it, again, I mean, we have a theme here, like, it, it, it's like, we keep coming back to the connection to people. Yeah. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, going, I love technology, I get to be here with you today. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, we've been able to connect through technology. And I feel that it's important for us to also remember that the the human connection is so important. Absolutely. And it, it's something that just fills us. Like you said, it's like when you pick up the phone, when you connect with that person, it makes you feel, um, it makes you feel full. It makes you feel, um, it, it reduces your stress. It helps you keep your life in balance. What are some other things you do to help you kind of stay grounded? Um, so touching on the, the, the technology part of it, um, I turn off all my notifications on, on for social media. I don't have any of them on um, because I think that like I will already open it on my own and I don't need like that added like, you know, so smart. yeah. It's such a distraction. It really is. And I'm guilty of it, you know, because I have the businesses and, you know, the boys. And then it, it like one distraction takes me 15 minutes. Well, that's what they say. And I believe it to get back on track. Yeah. So you do you turn off your, you know, notifications like always? Do you yeah. So like, yeah, no, for like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like all that. Like, I don't even have my notifications on. Like I have to go into the app to like see anything that's like it like comes up smart um yeah I, I've done that I did that I think probably about 
during the pandemic, I think actually is when I did it. Mm -hmm. Um, just because that, you know, like you said, like it, yes, it, it's, it's a great tool to connect with people, but I think that it could also, um, just be an overload of, of, of information sometimes. Absolutely. And that overload of information not only distracts us, but I feel it it's, gets harder to focus. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, I, then sometimes when I'm overloaded, like I feel like I feel overwhelmed and there's a chaos. So that's a great tip, audience. Like we need to turn off our <laughs> notifications for sure. So tell me what's, I want to talk about boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. <laughs> it took me forever to set boundaries. So tell me a little bit about some of the boundaries you've had to set and how they've benefited you. Yeah. Um, oof. Okay. So I think that going into law school is when I, I think that I really had to, you know, start setting a little bit more rigid boundaries um, just because my time has become so scheduled and, and just every, every minute counts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that and what I mean by that is like, in terms of talking to like friends and family, like, I, of course I want to talk to my mom, like, you know, every day, but I had to have a conversation with her that like, it wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't do as much as I would want to do, or even like go home as often as I, as I would during undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, now on the flip side of that boundaries with law school, um, I've tried to, I think, make another conscious effort of keeping my school life at school and mm -hmm. doing as much work there as possible because I want my bedroom and my house to be a safe space. Mm. And so I don't want to be, you know, bringing all that baggage and all that stress into like my home. That's very smart because the energy does transfer you're bringing it in and then you don't have a space to go where you can kind of, you know, un unwind exactly and be and go out of, you know, not that, you know, you're in fight or flight, but when we're stressed, it's like, we need time to kind of relax. Yeah. And so do you, so basically you do all of your work at the library or somewhere else. You don't bring it home for the, I try to do that as much as I can. There are some days where I just can't get it done and I will have to, you know, do a reading at home. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I'll be in the library like very early in the morning until whenever the library closes <laughs> and then I'll come home. That, that's smart because so many of us, including myself, I do so much of, you know, my reading, my work, my writing in the bedroom. And there's no, um, you know, there, there's you're right. It's like not there's no time to it's all there and it's always in my mind. Yeah. Thanks for that, Gabby. Yeah. But I will also <laughs> say like. I, I also do recognize though that that's not like something that everyone can do, especially during the pandemic. Um, and I think, but I think that the reason why like I made it made such like a like I wanted that to happen like during law school is because one we are in person, we're masks, but we're all in person. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, when I moved back home um, for about like I think over, about a little over a year, um, I was doing everything in my room. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I think took a really, really big toll just because it was work in my room, working out in my room, sleeping in my room. Like it was just like, I wasn't doing anything else or outside. Right. Yeah. And then when it's time to rest, there's no distinction and our yeah. mind doesn't know the difference to turn it off. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Sometimes it's easier, you know, said than done. Um, it's funny because I just, you know, met with, um, a nutritionist or a holistic person. And she said the same thing, like leave everything at the door. Yeah. What? I don't know if I could do yeah. that. I'm going to make the effort. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, so our, you know, our habits are hard um, to change, but they can be changed. So yeah. this, this was huge. So thank you for sharing about that. It's important. So what's been one of the biggest challenges you faced recently and how did you overcome it? Recently? Um, or it could be whatever, maybe yeah. something like that. I think, I think a big challenge, um, well, being as like a Latina in, in law school and just being in the legal field, I think itself, um, just not seeing a lot of people that like looked like me mm -hmm. in those higher positions. Um, I think that can bring, or it can, at least it increased my imposter syndrome a lot of like, should I even do this? Like, why am I here? Why am I the only one here? Um, but I think it's it's important that we are in these spaces. I don't think that these spaces are just made for a particular group of people, even though sometimes it might look like that and feel like that. But um, I think that our voices and our perspectives are, are much needed in, in these spaces. I, I think I absolutely agree with you. And I faced, you know, I talked about the imposter syndrome last week on um, my show Table Topics Tuesday. And I I experience, you know, imposter syndrome often for the same reasons. It's it's the, um, you know, I'm a little bit different than the other people um, in the circles. And I thought, am I, am I supposed to do this? Am I meant to do this? And I love what you just said. It's like, yes, we are to, to give representation because anyone and everyone can step into any of these. It's just, we haven't had the opportunity or maybe we weren't conditioned to believe we could have the opportunity. And that's why it's so important to, to recognize, like it's a false story we're telling ourselves that imposter syndrome. I know it's real, but it's, it's a false story that we tell ourselves to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. And it's scary to venture into new waters because yeah. we don't know what it's going to look like and we don't know how we're going to be accepted right and it doesn't matter as long as we know who we are exactly yeah and i think it's for me something that i've also learned too specifically talking about imposter syndrome because i know a lot of like my friends have also felt it um also just sort of the way you talk to your friends is so different than the way you talk to yourself. Girl, yeah. So, <laughs> me and my best friend, actually, we've, um, I think, have talked about this a lot of, like, the way we talk to ourselves should be the way we talk to each other. Yes. And so we've, like, she was, she visited me, I think, last weekend or the weekend before, and we just had, like, we just kind of reminded ourselves of that, like, that the way we talk to us as individuals needs to be with more love and with more grace and more compassion. Um just the same exact love, grace and compassion that we give to other people. So that's right. That's right. And I think, no, I think I know that we are harder on ourselves than anyone else. Cause I would never, ever speak to my best friend or anyone else, anyone, even, you know, someone that I may not connect with, I would never speak to them the way that I speak to myself. And I'm a big believer in, in self-talk and, um, you know, flipping the script. Yeah. And, and I, you telling yourself, okay, this is a story. Thank you. I know you're keeping me safe. I know I can do this. Yep. 
because if you weren't meant to be here, you wouldn't be here. God, the universe always puts us on the right path to where we're supposed to be. Like that moment in your English class that you just mentioned, when you're reading the book on ethics, that was okay. That was a start. And then it all takes steps. All the little steps get us to, to where we're yeah. going to be. So you know what I say to imposter syndrome? <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, and we're all human. You know, we're all human. Yeah. And I, I love the authenticity. Yeah. So tell me, what does empathy mean to you? Oof. Um, for me, it means um, remembering that other people have other stories and what they're just presenting, like what you're exactly seeing. Um, and so just really trying to understand where they're coming from essentially, or why, you know, they're, they are the way they are or what, whatever they're going through. It's like, just have a little bit more grace with an acceptance, I think of, yes. of someone else's experiences. Yeah. And that's helped me so much. You know, I, um, I've talked about this before. I came from a world that was very judgmental, very critical. And one of the most amazing things that I've learned was to get curious, yeah. have empathy and acceptance because the person is only responding from their map of reality from their beliefs, from their experiences. And who am I to, to judge them? Exactly. Because I don't know what their experience was. Right. And that empathy has just really helped me so much in accepting, um, just, I, I'm accepting of everyone because we're all human beings regardless. It doesn't matter race, color, creed, religion, gender, we're all human beings with blood run, rushing through our bodies and empathy is, I don't think practiced enough. No, I think for me, empathy in itself, I think the way that I initially, um, I think really understood or tried to understand a little bit better was actually through my parents. Hmm. Um, and just remembering, um, that they're also human. Yes. And that it's okay that if they, if they make mistakes, um, and something else that I always remind myself is that my parents also had me very young. Yes. And so the age that I'm at, I think when they were my age, I was probably like four, which is just nuts to me because I cannot see myself with a four-year-old right now. <laughs> um, but so just remembering that, that, you know, yes, they are human. Yes. Well. And it's funny because I just had a client, was working with a client before we got on this podcast. And that was what came up is, you know, our parents do the best that they can with the knowledge that they, you know, that they know. I mean, they love us and they're doing the best they can based on how they were raised, based on the information they were given. Exactly. And just, and I've had to work really hard on that too, to say like, you know, my parents love me. They were doing the best they could with what, with what they had in the moment based on the information they were given or how they were raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just, and even talking about empathy just feels better. Like you, you just feel lighter. You feel, yeah. I feel a sense of peace. Same. So what is something that you would tell someone who's interested in going to law school, but they're a little bit on the fence? Yeah. Um, I think something that, that was pa so passed on to me a lot throughout the four years I was a paralegal. And I always knew I wanted to go to law school, but I, I just needed some, like, like I, I knew I wanted to go, but I just didn't feel hundred percent ready. Mm -hmm. um, but some advice that was given to me a lot of it uh, for a lot of those four years was, 
you really, really have to make sure that this is what you want to do. Um, because as I mentioned earlier, this will take a mental toll on you. It will take an emotional toll on you, even physical toll on you. Um, and so I think it goes back to remembering your why of like why you're going to law school, like what exactly is it that you want to do? Um, and being a hundred percent sure because it's not cheap either. <laughs> right. But how, how did you know you're a hundred percent sure? Like, was there a, did you feel something in your body? Was there a sign? Like, how did you know? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, my personal experience, um, that was one part of it. And then, um, after that situation happened, um, about two years later, when I was working as a paralegal, um, we were working on a pro bono case that was very similar to what had happened. And so just being on, I think the, um, attorney side of it, and then seeing, you know, our impact on like our client and then just being back in the courtroom, but like being that, you know, paralegal that's running around the courtroom trying to find a printer. <laughs> like it was that, that, like that adrenaline rush, I think was, was part of it, but also, um, just remembering that, our clients are our people and you know they have experiences and and feelings um and being able to connect i think with clients was something that really um was pivotal for me and that same theme that connection the mm -hmm. connection like it's so that human connection is so important yeah. i think people want to be seen they want to be heard they want to be acknowledged yeah so I'd love to hear about something that you're very passionate about, which is called the Buried Alive Project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, um, so one of the co-founders' name is Brittany K. Barnett, and she is an attorney, um, and she has a great book out called um, A Knock at Midnight, and um, it's basically her memoir. And this organization sort of stemmed out of um, all her work, and her work is basically doing or trying to um, represent incarcerated individuals who are in prison um, for drug sentencing laws that are either very outdated mm -hmm. or um, just, in my opinion, should just they should just not be in prison. Mm -hmm. um, and so her organization basically really helps uh, with the legal representation side of it mm -hmm. um, and just connecting with clients that are in prison and trying to get them out. And so have you um, been, like, have you, I guess my question is, have you, do you know any of those stories? Can you share a little bit of maybe some of the stories um, that she talked about where there was, you know, a, a positive ending to it? Where Yeah, so, yeah, so on her, so she has two. So um, Sharonda Jones is, is the, I think, the main, one of the main characters in the book, and I don't want to give too much of it away. It is a happy ending um, for her, but um, it, it kind of came full circle in a way for her in the sense that she starts off the book with talking about her mother being in prison and her mother's um, inmate number was a certain number. And then when she was in law school and she um, found, she was, I think on YouTube searching for, I don't remember what she was doing, but she was, I think researching. And this woman, Sharonda Jones is, um, came up on like a YouTube video and she had the same exact number as what her mom's um, prison number had been. And so she essentially became very determined to helping get this woman out of prison. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think she has a lot of different stories in her book um, that really moved me mm -hmm. in, in trying to think about how I want to use my law degree. Um, and just remembering that, as you know, mentioned earlier, that this prison population, I think it's, it's a population that people forget a lot about 
often. And so just remembering that there are people there and they also do have lived experiences. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I agree that a lot of those laws are very, you know, outdated. And I also, and I don't know too much about this, but I am aware also that um, the prison system is a business. So it benefits them to keep people incarcerated. Yeah. And on that note, what type of law are you going into? So I haven't made a full decision just yet. Um, I think criminal law really, I, 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 I'm being pulled towards criminal law um, as a paralegal again. Um, my last two years where I was at, um, I was able to work on some criminal cases on the white collar side of it, but also on the pro bono side of it. Um, and I worked on some compassionate release cases during COVID. Um, and I think that really, you know, moved me in, in wanting to do that type of work or, or at least being involved in that type of work at some point in my career. So I know that, um, you received a spot award yeah. for your paralegal work on compassionate release cases. So tell us a little bit about that. That's, that's exciting. Yeah, it was um, basically just a recognition of my the work that I did as a paralegal. And I, I did a lot of, um, I basically helped the attorneys file all their motions um, related to the compassionate release cases, getting them entered. What, is, what, in. what does that mean? What's a compassionate release case? Yeah, so basically we were, so very similar to actually what Brittany was doing, we were helping um, people get out of jail for either sentences that shouldn't, that the sentencing laws that had changed from the time that these people had been sentenced to prison and then modern day sentencing law or times of, of when they would have been uh, or how long they would have been in prison. And so um, a lot of our cases had to do with COVID related um, just because COVID really just, I think in, in the prisons just kind of loomed all over everywhere. And so, um, we worked on a lot of those cases. And so I was the only paralegal on it at the time. And so basically, like, as I mentioned, I was helping, you know, the attorneys file their cases as helping them, um, blue book, which is essentially just site checking their briefs, filing them also coordinating a lot of mailings between or correspondence between the, our firm and our clients. Um, and that was very eye opening because I had to learn a lot of rules that I did not know about. Um, of what you can mail to your clients in prison. Interesting. Yeah. So there's, so you're learning, I mean, on the job and you're learning in law school and it's, 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 it's a constant, um, I mean, you constantly have to be on. Yeah. Yeah. It was. What um, do you do when you turn off? <laughs> I, I don't, I guess I'm, I'm trying to like sometimes, but um I, I think I always, I think working, um, there was, you, you're always going to be busy, but you do have sometimes like you have those like lulls periods where it's like, okay, like I can take a breather like today and like, you know, get back into it tomorrow, like have a weekend off. Like if that happens <laughs> with law school, it's a little bit different. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's some of the advice that was given to me was that, um, it's a marathon, not a race. So um, just remembering that, like, you know, just keeping steady or keeping a steady pace, I guess, throughout it. For sure. And I, you, you're the second person this week to, to mention that, um, phrase it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
What does that mean to you? That you don't have to be on a hundred every single day. That's right. Um, because you will burn yourself out very quickly. Yes. Yeah. And just, I think taking it day by day, breaking up your work, you know, day by day, hour by hour. Um, and just remembering that because it doesn't end, like you don't have to do everything in one night. (laughs) Right. Right. Just pacing yourself. Yeah. And being gentle with yourself, going back to the self-talk that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if there was one thing you could do over Gabby, if there was one thing you could do over, <laughs> if there is, what would that be? Um, I'm not sure if I would do anything over if I'm being completely honest. And that's, that's great. Yeah. I'm a very firm believer. I think that everything does happen for a reason and I would not be in this place if it weren't for a lot of things that I didn't even want to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I also am a big believer that, you know, most things, you know, happen for a reason and we're exactly where, where we are meant to be yeah. in that moment. And if we're not where we want to be, it's, we're not ready. And, you know, it's, we'll take the steps to get there. Yeah, exactly. What is, what keeps you, you know, inspired and, and motivated on, on a regular, like what just keeps you going? Um, I think I have this, um, frame above like my desk. Um, and it sort of reminds me of like why I'm in law school and a little bit what I just talked about of, of, you know, centering my career in terms of helping, um, or just providing, I think, resources to people that don't have it. Um, and so I think this is part of it as nobody's free until everybody's free. Oh, and I think that can mean so many different things. Um, I just got emotional. So damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's your why is, is to work to, for, for, you know, everyone to have a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, to amplify people's voices, um, in particular, yeah. Be heard and seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're going to do amazing things, amazing Mm -hmm. things. You're incredible. I'm so proud of you. And, um, we definitely look forward to, you know, I definitely will keep track of your journey on um, Instagram. I know that the school highlighted you and celebrated you the other day. So that was beautiful to watch. And thank you so much for all you do for stepping out of the box. Thank you. And and doing, and, and, you know, and showing up and doing this. Someone wants to get a hold of you if they have questions or if they're interested in, you know, the law school journey, is there a way that they can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Um, but also just Instagram um, or even Twitter. I, I don't use Twitter as much. I just follow people. But yeah, Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. Uh, my name, my handles are just Gabby via fun. Um, so yeah. And we'll make sure to put your information there. So for if anyone's interested to, to chat with you yeah. or if they you know want some advice, we'll definitely have your information there. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to answer any questions because I know I bugged a lot of people <laughs> before law school. So. No, it's great to know. Like if someone has a question that there's someone that they could reach out to because sometimes you just don't know where to go. So yeah. I'm excited to that um, whoever's watching and may need the resource that you're available to them. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to help. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been amazing. It's definitely come for a circle. I'm so proud of you and definitely look forward to staying in touch with you. And to everyone that's watching today and on the replay, thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share and rate. And until our next time that we see you, I wish you a magnificent rest of the day. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.